Matthew chapter 18, verse 7. Woe unto the world because of offenses, for it must needs be that offenses come. But woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. Wherefore, if thy hand or thy foot offend thee, cut them off and cast them from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life halt or maimed rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into everlasting fire. And if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into, into hell. Praise the Lord. Heavenly Father, in the precious name of Jesus, we praise and thank you once again for the opportunity to partake of your word. And we just ask you, Lord, that you continue to cause us to grow in this area, Father, both the speaker as well as the listener, Lord. Because none of us, Father, if we're truly honest, can never say we've graduated in the area of overcoming offenses. So we do ask you, Lord, to continue to strengthen us, Lord, even as we would deal with various trials and tribulations, even sometimes body language between people that we come into contact with, Father, it just isn't right. So we just ask you, Lord, to touch our hearts, Father, minister us, Father, create us a new heart and renew a right spirit within us, Lord. And Father, as we would um, grow more and more into your likeness, Lord, we praise and thank you, Father, that we would see the fruit of us not holding grudges, not having bitterness, not allowing these things to dwell in our thoughts or in our hearts, Lord. Let us, Father, realize that as we would walk free of offenses, Father, we're walking pure before you as well as walking more in your lightness, which makes us minister that more effectively. So we praise you. Thank you, Father, for this. And we give you the glory and honor, Father, for these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Woe unto the world because of offenses. And as we saw in our initials week from the um, text scripture, the word offenses comes from a root Greek word, scandalon, which basically shows us that God considers the fact that we hold offenses or we're involved with offenses as a form of a, of a scandal. Amen? The same way we would see various things in the news and we say, whoa, I can't believe that that happened or I can't believe that those people did that thing. God looks at us the same way and he says, if you're holding on to offenses, it's the same kind of thing. It could be in, uh, what's one of those magazines, um, those rags, Us Weekly, or it could be on, you turn on the TV at night, it's The Insider or Entertainment Tonight. And you would see, okay, well, this person's fighting that person, or this person disrespected that person, or the Gosselins are acting up, or the Heenies are sailing their son off supposedly in a balloon. And we look at it, and we're like, whoa, that's scandalous, that people would behave in such a fashion. But when we allow ourselves to get trapped or entangled in the sin of offenses, God is saying the same thing. We could be on Inside Edition at night. Brian Fox, dun, 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 you know, <laughs> and then you know how you have the um, the different people. Who's the worst celebrity today, and who's the the best celebrity today? Brian Fox is the worst celebrity today because he got angry at that person and he said something he wasn't supposed to say. So as we're looking at heaven, some of us might be in Us Weekly or Entertainment Tonight or The Insider. So hopefully, you know, we grow to the point where we're not allowing ourselves to be there because, as we also saw, offenses doesn't just emanate in your thought and your heart and you like that person bugs me but it says that it also serves as a point of entrapment it's something that ensnares you so even though you may not have said something to that person you're still entangled with the offense between you and that person so in other words there's an attachment if I get angry at, at Deanne over something she might be going around not even realize that she did something and as long as I'm offended to her there's an attachment 
And God wants my attachment to her to be pure. He wants it to be holy. He wants it to be a love. The only attachment that she, she and I should have is the spiritual attachment of unity in the body of Christ. She's my sister. If she's going through something, the Word of God tells us that if one member suffers, we all suffer. So the attachment should be is if she's going through, I'm hurting too because we're attached. It shouldn't be like she's on my nerves, so we're attached because if, if I'm attached to her due to an offense, I'm actually adding weight to her spirit. So instead of me pulling her up spiritually and saying, hey, sis, are you going through something? Hey, you know, you're down in the muck and mire. You're trapped by the enemy's devices. Let me grab you and pull you up. Instead, because I'm offended at her, I'm helping to push her down deeper into that trap, into that spiritual mud that the enemy's already throwing at her. So we have a choice of how we're attaching ourselves to people. Are you sending good feelings, good vibes. You know, I'm not trying to be new age, send them good thoughts. But are you sending them a blessed attitude and mindset? God, bless them, touch them, deliver them, heal them. If they're going through, Lord, let me have compassion for them. Lord, they may not even speak that they're going through the trial and tribulation, but Lord, place it on my spirit, some of the weight that they're going through. Give me that sensitivity in the Holy Spirit that even without them saying a word, I feel the burden that's going through and saying, Lord, What's that heaviness that I feel on me? Sister Susie's going through something. Oh, well, I need to pray. And as you feel yourself uplifted, then supernaturally God says, I'm lifting the weight off that person too. But once again, if we allow offenses to get into our heart, you're not only holding on to baggage which can harm you emotionally, spiritually, and physically, but also in a, in a certain sense, you're actually adding more weight to the person that is already weighed down by something else. So that spiritual offenses serves as a snare, a cause of displeasure or sin, an occasion to fall, and as I said before, a bent sapling. God calls us to be trees planted by the water. And if you see a tree, you want it to be, you know, standing up erect. But if you see a tree that's bent over, it's waiting for some kind of weight or a wind to come along that snaps that thing in two. So what point are you at where you might be about to snap? Amen? All right. So we've looked at various things. We looked at the fact that there's intentional and unintentional offenses. We looked at some of the things that can start to happen. And we're going to continue on with that this week. So uh, one of the first things the Lord laid on my heart is that offenses could cause you to have a chip on your shoulder, even for people who don't deserve it. Amen? You can walk around, and because of things that have happened in the past, people see you as grouchy. They have to walk on eggshells when they're around you. They're just like, always got to be watchful of like, me saying the right thing to that person or my timing being right with that person or they might be critical or snap on me and also it causes the person's perceptions to be tainted instead of going through life like they say with rose-colored glasses where you're seeing things positively and you're believing in the good in people as well as the good outcome of situations as you allow offenses to come in it starts to taint your perceptions and it causes you to carry baggage from one situation or one relationship to another. So you might be in a new situation or dealing with new people, but because of what happened to you in the past, you've gone from that situation that may have been years ago, you're carrying that baggage, now you're taking it into a new situation where you're meeting new people or you're encountering a new situation, but because you've carried that baggage, it's impacting the way you're dealing with those new people or those new circumstances. Isaiah 5.18 is a good verse that relates to that. It says, Woe unto them that draw iniquity with cords of vanity, 
and sin, as it were, with a cart rope. Now notice it has that word again, woe. Two things, woe, warning, amen, but also woe. You know, maybe we need to look at this, woe, stop in your tracks before you enter into this offense. And as it says, it says, woe unto them that draw iniquity with cords of vanity. The Bible talks about us having various cords. He says, I drew you with cords of a man. But he talks about the cords that he pulls you with being cords that are associated with love, tender mercies, kindness. And God talks about pulling us along. Jesus even talks about his, his yoke being easy and his burden being light. When he's yoking us, God has us attached with a yoke that's pulling us along. But here, instead of seeing cords or yoke of love, it says, Woe unto them that draw iniquity with cords of vanity. That word vanity means that it has no fruit. It's a vain thing. It will not have any kind of um, positive effect as a result of what it brings to the table. So it says, don't allow yourself to draw iniquity with cords of vanity. And the way that that relates, I'm sorry, and it says, and sin as it were with a cart rope. And the way you could picture that is, um, actually the Lord gave me a dream one time. And in the dream, I was a little boy with a wagon. And I was starting to, you know, I had, a, you know, the usual wagon you had back in the day, a red wagon. And sometimes we would attach a rope to it. And in the dream, I basically attached the rope to the wagon, and I started pulling stuff along. And at first, smooth sailing, walking back and forth, no big deal. Matter of fact, the wagon was so light that if I pulled it too fast, sometimes it would tilt over because it wasn't balanced right with the weight. And then in the dream, though, he showed me starting to put rocks on it and I start putting rocks small rocks then I start putting bigger rocks and as the rocks got bigger and bigger the weight that was in the wagon started to get heavier and heavier so initially I was able to go back and forth real easy no big deal but then when I started to put a lot of more rocks in it all of a sudden it's like hmm starting to get a little bit heavier there and then next thing you know I was starting to put like these boulder sized rocks in there to the point that at one point the weight started to sink the wheels of the wagon into the mud, and then the weight itself was so heavy that it's like, <clears throat> I'm straining and straining, but I can't pull it. And it's the same thing with you and I, though, when we, when we allow offenses to come into our life. At first, God has given you a spiritual cart that is free of all um, burdens. And in Hebrews, he tells us to lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us. If you don't lay aside those weights... You're putting those weights into your spiritual wagon. And the more you put them in, and the more they continue to pile up and pile up and pile up, after a while, the baggage that you're holding on to causes your spiritual vehicle to sink into the ground so it's stuck in the mud. And as you try to move, God can show you various blessings that he wants to give you. Even though you can see them, you can't move because you're still holding on to the weight that's attached to that spiritual cart of baggage that you're, you're pulling along. Amen? So God showed me that we really have to be careful. Woe, as we see here, unto them that draw iniquity with cords of vanity. The cords, the attachment to the cart is based upon offenses, based upon sins. Amen? But it's still a cord. It's a rope that's entangled and is keeping you bound to that situation. So the only way to get yourself out of that situation where you're moving on in life is to cut that cord loose so that that baggage remains there. And then you're free. Amen? to continue to walk on in life without carrying that baggage. So that's where it's very important to us to do that. Uh, one of the things the Lord showed me, he gave me a dream one time. You know, years ago, I'm dating myself, and the kids will have no idea what I'm talking about. 
But years ago, they used to have those Samsonite commercials. Remember that? And in the Samsonite commercials, I remember this one that really stuck with me, or at least the Lord brought it back in the dream. They had the one where they had this gorilla. And, you know, the thing with the Samsonite commercials was like, these suitcases are indestructible. Nothing you could do can break these things open. In this one commercial, they really went overboard, and they had this um, gorilla, which is probably a man in a suit, <laughs> in a room, and he was just slamming this thing on the floor, slamming it against the walls, and then finally he threw it on the floor, and he was jumping up and down on that thing. And no matter what he did... That suitcase would not open. It was indestructible. And God showed me, unfortunately, some of us have that same baggage that we're carrying along in our spiritual life. We're tugging that luggage along, situation to situation. Ricky hurt you 10 years ago. Now you're meeting Mike. And Mike's getting your attitude because of what Ricky did. Then you go to the next situation. You meet Tom. Now you get, he's getting Ricky's and Mike's. Then you move on to Richard. And he's getting... All the different people that came before him are paying the price because you're carrying that baggage along. It's getting heavier and heavier, and it's going from situation to situation, relationship to relationship. And it's not always a dating relationship. It could be a relationship at jobs. And you find that, okay, you go from job to job to job, and you always involve some controversy, or you know, people always treat me wrong, or people at my jobs don't like me, the devil, this or that. And sometimes you got to really evaluate yourself and say, maybe it's not all the people, maybe it's me. And as I'm going from job to job, because that supervisor overlooked me, I knew I deserved that raise. I knew I deserved that promotion. I got dogged out of my job. They used me and abused me. I worked 70 hours a week, and all they ever do is overlook me. So then God blesses you, praying like, Lord, do something about this situation. And the Lord says, okay, ping, he opens up a new job for you. Amen? Like, Thank God, I got a new job. So you go into the new job. Now, day one, nobody knows you. Nobody knows your history. And the next thing you know, this job ain't treating me right. They over, overlooking me. I'm looking for this and that. And like, wait a minute, didn't that happen at your old job? See, there might be spiritual baggage that you carry from one job to the next. And so even though God has opened up the door and truly given you a new opportunity because you're carrying the baggage of how you were mistreated, overlooked, weren't paid enough, not rewarded, not visible, you never got credit, you take that to the next job, it's like the same stuff is happening. But maybe it's not the situation. Maybe it's that God blessed you with something new, gave you a clean slate, but your baggage brought tainted sunglasses into that circumstance that says, this job is going to treat me the same way the old one did. Amen? So we have to be careful that we're not towing it. And like I said, going back to that dream, you know, in, in my dream, that gorilla was throwing that suitcase all over the place, jumping up on the down on it and stuff. And finally, the Lord showed me, he's like, okay, well, if you can't open it, give me the suitcase. But not only give me the suitcase, you got to let go of the handle. See, that's the thing. Sometimes we give God the suitcase of our baggage, but God's sitting there, let go of the handle. Let go of the handle already, amen? Or we give it to God, Whew. wow, I feel so light. All my burdens have been lifted away. But then we go into the next situation, Lord, give my suitcase back. <laughs> We're spiritual Indian givers to God with our baggage, Amen? So here it warns us, woe unto them that draw iniquity with cords of vanity and sin as it were with a cart rope. Amen? Once again, that rope is the rope of bondages, of, of, of anger, of bitterness, of offenses. Amen? And here's the thing. In the Word of God in Ecclesiastes, it talks about 
two, one may fall down, and it says with two, they can warm each other. And then it goes further, it says a threefold cord is not easily broken. Now just think about that. If you take a strand of your hair, you can yank it out, you can take one, and you can sever it pretty easily, you can snap it in two, but let a lot of your hair tangle together. This is like a rope. It started out as one strand, which you could break really easy. But tangle a lot of these together, strength. This same thing which would snatch out of my hair easy. If I did it now, it, it would pull the skin with it. Because the, the, the individual strands which are weak alone are very strong when they're combined. Amen? Same thing with your sin. See, God may expose to you that there's a certain sin that's in your life or a certain pain that's hurting you and says, pluck that thing out. And at that time when he exposes it to you, if you do it, it's easy to deal with. But if you allow them things to entangle themselves, see, one sin entangle itself with another sin, entangle itself with an attitude, entangle with another attitude, next thing you know, instead of taking out one little thing, God's got to give you some major deliverance because you've got a lot of stuff entangled in there. Amen? Years and years of growth. Years and years of growth entangle very hard to get rid of. So woe unto us when we allow sin to entangle itself as a cart. I mean a rope attached to a cart because you're pulling stuff along. But thank God through the Holy Spirit, he gives us the sword of the Spirit. Amen? The Word of God, which at any time, no matter how difficult it is, if we yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit, the sword of the Spirit can come in any time, cut that thing off, and totally liberate you from the bondage that the enemy entangled you with. Or even the own baggage that you've allowed yourself to be entangled with. Because it's not always the devil. Sometimes it's us too. Amen? Um, actually, I don't have that verse today. But one of the things that comes to mind is, um, oh, I think it was in Hosea, where it talks about God uh, was trying to basically um, f feed the people. And he was trying to sup with them. But it says that they were holding on to the sin. It was as if they put a yoke to their jaws. You know, I think it's in Hosea. It talks about them having a yoke in their jaws. And what that reminded me of, though, is that you, you ever see somebody that broke their jaws and they had to wire their mouth shut? When they wire their mouth shut, the person got to think like this. And then when it's trying to eat, they got to give them a straw. They got to give them a straw to eat because they can't open up their mouth all the way. And in the book of Revelation, God talks about, he says, I, you know, came to, the door, came to the door of your heart and knocked. You know, you let me in, I come in, and I sup with you. Now, God's supping with you, come on. Is God going to give you the crumbs, the burnt dish? You know, God's going to hook us up like most of us got hooked up on Thanksgiving. Amen? Nice, large feast. Fill your belly. Thank God, no calories. Amen? But if you allow yourself to hold on to bitterness and you allow your jaws to be yoked shut, God's trying to give you a seven-course meal, but your own bitterness, animosity, anger, and hatred is binding up your jaws. So you basically, you're spiritually malnourished, amen? Because you're not able to take in and ingest everything that God wants to provide you. So that's why, once again, it's very important for us to liberate ourselves, amen? Let go of these things. Realize how they're going to bind us up. See, it ain't so much. A lot of times we think, I got anger. I got offense to somebody. I'm going to get them. Or my attitude is just, I'm fixing them. I got an attitude. You're not fixing them. You're fixing you. And you're fixing yourself in a bad manner. You're basically crippling yourself spiritually. 
You're, you're keeping yourself from getting the full spiritual nourishment that God wants to give you to make you whole, to make you healthy, to have you walking around, you know, wow, 100%. If God were to give you a physical, you'd be 100%. All vital signs are going good. But when we allow ourselves to get trapped up with um, offenses, amen, we're not completely healthy in God. So um, we have to be careful once again that the baggage that we might take from situation to situation, relationship to relationship, doesn't cause us to be offended as we enter into new situations even before people may have even done anything or said anything. You know, don't allow it to control our perceptions. You know, your spiritual eyeglasses, your emotional eyeglasses that let you see what's going on around you. You know, two people, based upon their experiences, may see two different things. They may go into the same exact situation, and one person might be like, See, I, I knew it. I knew it. I knew they were going to treat me like this. Another person could be there, see and hear the same exact thing and say, what are you talking about? I, I don't understand what you're saying. Amen? And, you know, some people are less discerning than others, but sometimes it's not so much discernment as it is we all go through different experiences in life, and it, whether we like to admit it or not, it taints how we see future situations. You know, we've all been there. Amen. You know, actually, a perfect example, last night, I went to my 30th high school reunion. And there was a, a girl named Sue that, you know, unfortunately, she wasn't, you know, what people thought was, the, 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 you know, the, the greatest look. She wasn't the most popular girl. She wasn't the cheerleader or the athlete. She wasn't dating the, 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 the starting quarterback and all that stuff. So, basically, myself and my friend Greg, we were very good friends with her. You know, I was with her probably since, like, middle school. We always had a great relationship. I went over to her house sometimes and hung with her and her brother and stuff like that. And Greg, who was also a good friend to her, called her up and said, hey, you come to a reunion. And she's like, no. And she had never been to any other um, reunion. So he's like, well, why don't you come? He said, come on, there's a lot of people coming. A lot of people didn't come in the past. Like, come on, you got to come, you got to come. And, you know, he's even saying, like, hey, I'm going to be there. I want to see you. Brian's going to be there. He's going to want to see you. You know, he started naming all these names. And no matter what she said, she's like, I'll think about it. But she's like, I seriously doubt it. He's like, why? And she's like, think about it. And as he thought about it, you know, he realized that even though he was friendly to her, I was friendly with her, a lot of people treated her like dirt. And here we are 30 years later, and she's like, I'm not going to that reunion because of how I was treated by those people. So her high school experience is, is horrible, you know? And that's a shame, you know? And, and that's the thing. The, the, her feelings regarding the reunion, how she was treated overall, block her from seeing the fact that, hey, me and, me, and, me and Greg really love you. You know, we would love to see you. We like to wrap our arms around you and say, hey, man, it's been 30 years. Great to see you. But we were basically blocked from doing that with her because of how other people treated her. So that's the thing. Sometimes offenses doesn't even just affect you with your decision, but there might be people that well-meaning that really want to see you and interact with you that now they're paying a price because of what other people did. So there's a ripple effect, in other words, you know, of the price that's paid when offenses come in. And, you know, I do pray that God does touch her in that area and that there's some way, whether it's telephone or email or Facebook, that, you know, we can interact with her. But unfortunately, that situation was blocked last night because of how people overall treated her there. So that's a shame. Another thing we see in regard to offenses is that it can make you bitter and it eventually defiles your spirit as it starts to eat you up inside. And we can see that in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14 and 15. 
It says, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness spring up trouble you and thereby many be defiled. All right, we see here, first of all, it says, follow peace with all men. You know, one of the things I like uh, in the book of Romans, it talks about as much as, as within you live peaceably with all men. See, there's a part of us, you know, in terms of living peaceably with all men. See, there's sometimes where, yeah, we can go head to head, toe to toe, you know, give them our two cents and stuff like that. But God says that one of the tests of our spiritual maturity, love for him, and desire to be a disciple that can witness in his name is how much are you willing to be the peacemaker even when everybody else around you is acting like a bunch of jerks. So, amen. So as much as is within you, live peaceably with all men. And we see here it says, follow peace with all men. Not just the ones that are your cup of tea, the ones that light, the ones that share your hobbies and your interests. God says, follow peace with all men. And that doesn't mean that you have to be with them 24-7 and hang out at your house and you're at their house and, you know, you go on vacation together and stuff like that. But he said, everywhere you go, you should still at least follow peace with people. You should be able to at least, you know, greet them warmly and say, hey, how you doing? And you may not hold an hour-long conversation, but you should be able to at least say, hey, how you doing? You know, God bless you. You know, I ran into a couple people last night in high school. You know, we didn't hang out. Um, I don't really recall anybody that straight out didn't like there last night, but everybody wasn't necessarily my cup of tea. But I tried to go around last night and make a point that I at least greeted each person, you know, threw my arm around their shoulder or, or gave them a hug and said, hey, how you doing? How's life been treating you? And, you know, like I said, everybody wasn't my cup of tea or my friend there, but I at least tried to go around, you know, and greet everybody. Amen. So we should follow peace with all men. It says holiness too. And then it says here, looking diligently, lest any man fail. Not fall, but everybody, any man fail of the grace of God. And how do we fail? It says, lest any root of bitterness spring up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. So first of all, it says that we need to be diligent. Amen. In other words, have a mindset that you're always looking for ways in which you can follow peace with all men and not allow yourself to be defiled. And then it says, you know, one of the reasons why we want to be diligent about not allowing these things to happen is that if they occur, it says you fail, you, you fail of the grace of God. In other words, some of the grace that God would extend to you in situations, now it's being held back because you've fallen short in a certain area. And he's saying that area is allowing bitterness to come in. And bitterness, a lot of times, starts off with an offense that is held, you know, dwelled upon, meditated upon. You go to sleep on it. You wake up on it. You know, every time you see a certain person or, start, or think about something, it comes back again. And you rehearse it in your mind. All these different things go on. And because of that, they build up till they get to the point of, of bitterness. And like we see here, it says that you fall short of the grace of God. You know, there might be an area in which you're about to stumble or you have stumbled, and God would say, okay, well, you know what? Because of what they just did there, you know, they should lose that job. But you know what? I extend my grace to them that despite their mess up, I'm going to extend my grace and protect them from the due consequences of their actions in this situation. But we see here that it says that if you allow bitterness and offenses to come in, that grace will be extended 
God said, well, because you're holding on to grudges and stuff and you're not right, I'm holding back that grace I would give you. So whereas I would have blocked the consequence of what you just did, now I'm not going to block it and you're going to receive the fruit of what you just did right now. Amen? So if you won't give grace, in other words, here we go. If you won't give grace, God's saying, I'm not going to give grace to you. You know? So we have to be watchful that we don't fail. And that's a strong word. Not fall short, not stumble, but fail the grace of God. We don't receive the grace of God. It's totally blocked off because we've allowed these things to come in. Now, this is, there's a couple other words that are very um, powerful in this passage of Scripture. One thing it says, if you let a root of bitterness come in. And actually, here, here's the thing. He didn't say a whole tree of bitterness, a whole forest of bitterness. He says a root of bitterness. Just the initial part of the plant bearing itself down into your spiritual system. Just a root can spring up and trouble you. Now that word springing in the Greek means to germinate, to pollinate. So think of that like a plant. You know, when you stick a plant in the ground, you know, you don't want that, you don't want to just put those seeds in the ground and say, okay, well, if they don't grow, whatever. When you put seeds in the ground, you want them to start to spring up and rise into whatever plant you intend it to, to have, whether it's roses or grapes, apple trees, oranges, tomatoes. Whatever you plant to the ground, you want it to, to, to grow fervently so you have a full you know, and ripe harvest of it that you can not only you know, see or use now, but also use for the future. So God says, unfortunately, though, sometimes we allow roots of bitterness or ungodly emotions that come into our life. And it says that they can root themselves down deep. And as we see here, the same way a plant would pollinate, you know, and germinate and grow, he says these roots of bitterness, they could do the same thing. And, and it also says it, it swells up and it produces. So not only does it swell up, but it produces. See, it grows up into a full mature plant, and then it starts to branch off offspring. So you have one offense, you know, you don't deal with it according to the word of God and purge it from your system. And because you've held on to it, now it grows up into a mature, you know, anger, grudge, offense plant. And now that it's matured, it says, hey, I'm going to produce offspring. And, you know, you go back to the book of Genesis, you see that trees and plants and even animals produce after their own kind. So if you have an offense tree grow up, guess what? Loving compassion is not going to be the fruit of that tree. You allow offense to grow up, it's going to grow, and it's going to produce more. If you look at a, um, a, a native or a, a worldly seed, you know, you grow one tomato. Next thing you know, you got five tomatoes, ten tomatoes, twenty tomatoes. And then next thing you know, you might have a whole section there, all tomatoes that can start off started off from like only a couple seeds. So it's the same thing with us in terms of having offenses, bitterness and things like that. You start off maybe with one plant, but then it pollinates and grows and next thing you know, you got a whole area that is full of that stuff. Amen. All right, um now it also says the root of bitterness springs up and then it troubles you. Now that word trouble means to crowd in and to squeeze into a fixed position. 
So it crowds you. You know, God's saying, hey, here's all the boundaries I have for you. Here's all the opportunities I have for your life. And, you know, you can see all these different things out there. Like, wow, you know, in the future, God's going to give me, you know, this education and this career and this relationship with these people and these ministry opportunities, all these different things. You can see them. Amen. But it says that if you let the roots of bitterness and other um, ungodly emotions take hold in your life, it says these things trouble you. They crowd you in. They squeeze you in. So you may see all these different opportunities, but they squeeze you in, and now they hold you in a fixed position. So you may be praying for years, and Lord, that opportunity. And you see the opportunity and say, okay, it looks like God's opened up that opportunity for that new career. You know, I'm, I always dreamed of having that new business, and I see the opportunity there. All right, I'm going to go pursue it. Didn't come through. You know, then another opportunity presents itself, and you pursue that, doesn't come through. And you, and you sit there wondering, like, why is it that all these opportunities, I see them, but it doesn't seem like I can ever achieve any of them? And it could be because you're holding on to a root of bitterness that's squeezing you out from all those different opportunities. And it's not God blocking you because he's still letting you see the opportunities. It's you blocking you. Because you're holding into something that's holding you in a fixed position so you can't attain the things that God has presented you. Amen? So God will let you see the things. And here's the thing. I don't think that God's letting you, hear, let you see the things to torture you. I think he's letting you see the things so you can say, wow, if I let go of this mess in my life, here's all the things that are out there for me. Amen? So God's not doing the to torture you like... Why are you letting me go from one thing to the next to the next and I never achieve anything? You torture me, God? No. He's letting you see, here's all the blessings. What's of more value to you, in other words? Holding on to the grudges and the animosity and the bitterness or achieving all the blessings that God has for you if you let go of the baggage that's currently in your life. Amen? So, we're, once again, God's not holding us in a fixed position. We're holding ourselves. Now, one of the things that I observed before over the years is that a lot of times people that seem to be offended the most, the funny thing about that is that they can see everything that's been done to them, and they have like an electronic scroll or roster of all the thousands and thousands of things that people did to them. And here's the thing. Not only do they have a list of all the offenses of what people have done to them, but they have an itemized list. It's like an accounting practice or something. They have an itemized list of, Carol, you did 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. Pam, you did items 6 through 10. Trey, you did items 15 through 20. You know, Marlo, you did items 30 to 45. I mean, they got the list broken down, categorized. I mean, they got spreadsheets, <laughs> you know, annual reporting, profit and loss statements of everything that people have done to them. But those same people, we go to them and say, hey, can we talk about what you did to me? What are you talking about? I ain't doing nothing to you. Somehow they got a ledger of everything that people have done to them, but they've never offended a single person in their life. Not once. Amen? So when you allow yourself to walk in offenses, basically I think it gives you a, a self-absorbed inability to see that just as, you, as you've been offended, you've also offended other people. And if you look at the fact that, hey, if I wanted everybody to give an accounting of everything they did to me, if that was reversed, and then one day I sat there and everybody in my life came in and said, okay, let's talk about the 120 things you did last week. 
Then another person come and say, let's talk about the 50, the 50 things you did an hour ago. See, if we were on the receiving end of getting a full accounting of what people did to us, then we'd be like, oh, you know what? Let's talk about this grace thing again. Let's talk about forgiveness. See, when we're on the, the side of being the offending party, we want to talk about pardon and release and, you know, forgiveness and grace. Overlook my sins against thee. But when it's on the other way around, we want everybody, we become Catholics, you know, <laughs> when it's on the other end. We want everybody to pay penance for what they've done to us. Amen? And God said, it just don't work like that. So my thing is, do you want people to hold things against you like you've held against them? Would you want people to have to pay the price for their offenses? Against, I mean, make you pay defenses for the things you've done against people the way you want them to pay when they've done stuff against you? I mean, if that's the kind of world that you live in, then maybe, hey, that's something that works for you. But I know, like the things I've done over the years, I'd rather play the grace game, the forgiveness game. Amen? Because I don't want to have to go back to all the people all these years. And here's the thing. When you start to give an account and pay penance for all the things you've done, if you really took that to full measure, it wouldn't be just the things you're aware of. It'd be a lot of stuff that you did to people that you're totally unaware of. Amen? So I, I, I think it's so much better and so much of a weight and burden lifter off of us if we do it God's way, which is say, hey, walk in love and walk in forgiveness for others. Extend people grace the same way you would want grace and walk in forgiveness towards people. Amen? And as we see here, follow peace with all men. Amen? To the best of our ability. Jesus wants us really to exhaust ourselves in terms of giving grace, love, and compassion on people. Amen? Or for people. Matter of fact, uh, I just want to look at a couple verses. What is God's viewpoint on offenses? And one of the first things we see is he wants us to have the same forgiving nature that Jesus did. Amen? And in Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 and 22, Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him till seven times? Jesus said unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until 70 times seven. Amen? 70 times seven. 490 times. Amen? And some people say that Jesus, when he said that, he wasn't talking about forgiving somebody 490 times over the course of their life or your relationship with them. He's basically saying 490 times a day. Wow. I mean, I don't know anybody. You got to be pretty good. <laughs> I mean, I mean in, a, in, a, in a twisted way, that's a, somebody can offend you 490 times. It's like, man, you're pretty good at offending people. You should go to the offensive Olympics or something. How can somebody offend you that many times? I mean, really, it might as well be an astronomical number. Because, you know, somebody offends you once, you're going to be like, oh, I'm going to blow it off. Twice, I'm about to say something. Three times, all right, I'm going to have to get with you. But 490 times... Man, at some point, you need to just leave the house, leave the building, take the day off from work, something. I think Jesus is just saying, you know what? This is the way I want you to extend grace, mercy, and forgiveness to people. A ridiculous number that you can never attain, even if you count for everything that people specifically do to you. I don't think anybody's going to reach that number. And see, when they came to him, they were really trying to impress him. And really, it goes back to an old... Jewish song. Early in the Bible, there's a man named Laban, 
And Laban actually had a song in which he was bragging. And he basically said that if somebody does me wrong, I'm going to do them worse. He basically said, I'm going to avenge myself seven times what they did to me. I'm going to pay them back. It's going to be the big payback. Amen. So they were coming to him and saying, and like I said, this is a Jewish folk song that went along over the generations. So they came to him like, well, hey, Laban said, I'm going to get people back seven times, seven, you know, seven times what they did to me. And they're like, hey, well, if I forgive somebody seven times, does that mean I'm like super righteous, super holy? Am I impressing you about to get a pat on the back, Jesus, for how loving and forgiving I am? And Jesus is like, uh-uh. He said, you know what? I'm not going to deal with that song and refute it, but I'm going to take it even further. So seven times forgiving is not enough. Let's say 70 times that seven, 490 times. So Jesus actually took that song and said, you know what? Y'all go throw that out the door. Because I haven't put you under law in which you, get, uh, you avenge yourselves seven times what people did to you. Instead, you're going to forgive people not seven times, but 70 more times beyond that. Amen? Another thing that Jesus said in Proverbs 25, 21, If thine enemy be hungry, give him bread to eat. If he be thirsty, give him water to drink. For thou shalt heap coals of fire upon his head, and the Lord shall reward thee. So as we see here, people may not reward you for walking in forgiveness, for being a mediator, for being a negotiator, for being a peacemaker. People may not recognize it. They may not give you credit for it. They may not admire you for it. But the thing is, we're not worried about that anyway. Instead, when we have a forgiving nature for people, God himself is the one that's going to reward us. So the good thing is that even if you go to people and try to make peace, and they're like, well, you know, I don't like you. I ain't going to like you. I ain't going to never, ever, 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 ever times 70 like you. Amen? It's not about them anyway. And them receiving you, accepting you. Our reward is the fact that Jesus Christ will say, hey, I'm looking down this situation. You could have turned your back. You could have built up the animosity, and yet you act like me. Amen? You went to that situation. And a lot of times when you're going to reconcile a situation with somebody, you know, you have to humble yourself so much. And to be honest with you, if somebody rejects you, you when you do that, that's something that kind of bruises your pride. That, you know, especially when they're wrong, for you to go and apologize to them when they're wrong, and then they say, forget you, I ain't thinking about you, or even worse, that's something that really starts to hit your pride. Like, man, I humble myself and this is the things I get. But if you have the perspective that it's not about me and that person, or it's about me trying to walk in obedience to God, and he's the one who rewards me, then that kind of takes away the, the, the smack or the slap to the face that you feel if the person doesn't accept what you're doing. So we do it for God, and our reward, our reward is from God. Amen? And it says here that even if the person doesn't accept what you did, God says through you doing that and walking in humility and love to that person, he says even if they don't receive it, I'm going to heap coals of fire on their head. Amen? And the coals of fire are not coals of judgment to burn them and incinerate them. <laughs> you know, sometimes you'd be like, yeah, burn them up, Lord. Amen. But it, that's not what the coals of fire are. What the coals of fire do is it puts a heat on that person of conviction and everything that basically is supposed to eventually melt the person's heart so that they change their attitude. And even if they don't reconcile with you, you know, it helps lead them further on to getting into a closer relationship with God. And hopefully salvation if they're not saved. 
So you may not even see the end, reward, the end result of it, but God will still reward you for your obedience to him. Amen? All right, I'm going to do one more, and then we'll close. We should try not to be offensive to others if it's sin, it's going to hinder their salvation or their faith in God. Amen? So that's what we're going to um, close with today. And that's in 1 Corinthians 8, verses 9 through 13. It says, But take heed, lest by any means this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. For if any man see thee, which has knowledge, sit at meat in the idol's temple, shall not the conscience of him which is weak be emboldened to eat those things which are offered to idols? And through thy knowledge shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died? But when ye sin so against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, ye sin against Christ. Wherefore, if meat make my brother to offend, I will, no flesh, I will eat no flesh while the world standeth, lest I make my brother to offend. So here he's basically telling us to try our best not to offend others. And sometimes, even when we're right, especially if we're around unbelievers, and we're aware of something, and we walk in it, we could do it in such a way that it could be offense to other people. So God's saying, if you're being offense to other people, even if you're spiritually right, sometimes it's sent to you because you're wounded that person spiritually, and you may be blocking off their salvation. And the Lord just brought back to my remembrance, um, before my surgery, they, they offered a class that was supposed to help you mentally and emotionally prepare for the class. So we came in, and, you know, the lady had these CDs and crystals and different, you know, kind of like new age, you know, modern psycho babble type technologies and techniques to prepare you for the surgery. So at one point, you know, I was like thinking like, man, this, let me be honest, this is crap, man. I, just, I don't sit here for this mess. So I was about ready to get up and stuff. I was like, you know what? And I was thinking too, I was like, man, I got a bunch of stuff at work I could do. You know, to get home. So the earlier I get home, the better. Something like, you no, know, I'm about to get up. I don't need this nonsense. You know, because I ain't going to do none of it. So why should I sit here and endure some nonsense that I don't believe in that I'm not going to do? So that part of me was like, get up. Because I was like, hey, it's demonic anyway. She's talking about all this hypnosis and crystals and they ain't even of God. So I had a, a, a scriptural reason to get up and say, hey, I'm not going to be in the midst of this stuff. It's contrary to my spiritual beliefs. But then because I've matured in God, <laughs> you know, to a certain extent, I was like, you know what? If I get up now, first of all, there's other people in this room that are dealing with stuff. As we went through the room and stuff, you know, we kind of got a dialogue going where people were talking about their experience and stuff. And they shared theirs, and I was able to share mine, which, you know, we probably all helped each other in that area. And then from a spiritual perspective, if I get up and say, this is a bunch of garbage, then maybe they like... Yeah, maybe it's garbage, and maybe they need it. So for me to get up just because it ain't my cup of tea would have been selfish and may, may have undermined that teacher. So instead of doing that, I said, you know what? I'm just going to sit through the whole thing. My work can wait. I'll get to it, and I'll just sit here and just go through it. So we get to this one part, and you know, she starts talking hypnosis and stuff like that, and she says, close your eyes, and I'm going to count backwards from ten. And as I'm counting backward, visualize your first meal after the surgery. And visualize what you're going to say to your loved ones when you wake up. And visualize some peaceful, serene scene that you'll see before you go to the surgical table. Maybe it's the mountains. 
Maybe it's the beach. Just visualize. So, you know, as I count backward from 10, you're going to go into that state of hypnosis. So they're going backwards, 10, 9. And I'm sitting there like, in the name of Jesus, the Lord is my shepherd, I will not feel. 9, God is my fortress, my tower of strength. 8, God's word is health to all my flesh. 7, so see, it's, it's how we handle the situation. I could sit there the whole time with attitudes, oh, this is a bunch of crap. Or I took the situation, which wasn't my cup of tea, sat there and didn't undermine the class, and I just diverted it over to what was appropriate for me. So see, there's ways in which we could do stuff that's a blessing. And here's the thing. After we got out of class, you know, people share different things they visualize. And I just share stuff I visualize, but I visualize my stuff in Jesus. Amen? So I did share the meal I would want. I did share what I would um, say to Pam and, and the boys and everybody was there. But I visualized my healing every pro part of that process in Jesus. You know, and I didn't share it in a way that was rude to anybody else. And they did ask at the end, are you going to be using the CDs and all this stuff in there? And I said, you know, I said, I understand what you're saying. I said, it's not really exactly how I would do it. I said, like, instead of your CD, I said, I'm going to use praise and worship music. So I still was kind of doing similar tech, not techniques, but from a Christian perspective. And I did share to her, for me, that's the way that I need to do it. And she received that. She said, oh, yeah, yeah, if you have, you know, a faith system, you should adhere to that. So we can say stuff to, to people without being offensive, even when we're right spiritually. We don't have to be Aunt Esther and always beating somebody over the head about how we're spiritually right and my Jesus is better than your heathenist hypnosis. Amen? And the, and the blessed thing is that when I got from the room, you know, I hugged the teacher and I thanked her for everything she had imparted to me that day. Even though I didn't accept it all, I still thanked her because she, she committed her time to it. And you could see and feel the love she had for the people as she was there in that room. So I did share, you know, thank you very much. I gave her a hug. You know, I talked to the other people in the room and, and we hugged and we wished each other well and ended up able to share further things with my roommate when I got in the hospital. So that's the thing. We could still, even going out there, try our best not to be offensive to others in situations even when we're right. Amen? And that's the guy, way that God will want us to handle it. So anyway, that's, what, that's all I'm going to share for today. We'll continue on with this next week. And we're going to start to look at next week how should we handle offenses when they occur. Amen? That's what we're going to focus on. How should we handle them? Because once again, they are going to come, and as the days go by, they're going to become more and more. Because as people are pulling further and further away from God, offense is going to be greater and greater. And sometimes it will be small things. Like, perfect example this week, I'm sitting there, and I'm a commissioner and a board member for, the, for my um, son's basketball league. And this time of year, we're getting all things and ready to go for um, starting the season and everything. And this woman, woman all of a sudden sends me this email. I, don't, I ain't never heard of this woman before. You know, I barely know the coach associated with the team. She sends me this email, read me the riot act, because she hasn't paid yet and she got an attitude. You're supposed to pay when you register for the league. It says there right on the website. Your registration is not completely processed until you submit this form and pay your fee. So basically, we have every, the majority of people played. Our, insur our um, insurance and everything, expenses have gone up every year. And we finally, after three or four years of like barely breaking even, raised the thing this year. So it's very important that we get in the money because we just got a lot of overhead. So anyway, I sent out three or four reminders 
So it wasn't like the first reminder, like three or four reminders, and this woman still ain't paid. And then she goes send me an email, like, well, I didn't pay because of this, 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 this. But I'm sending in a check now, like, kind of like, you pester me, okay? And I was like, Lord Jesus, help me. I'm about to, like, I did reply back and told her, like, this is your responsibility, this, this, and that. I even told her, I said, I got two players in your situation that are paid in full. And I said, I'm the treasurer, so I guarantee you would have got your money back if your kid couldn't play. So, you know, I basically said, like, really, you didn't have the right to be coming at me like this when you're the person that's completely in the wrong. But, you know, <laughs> once again, you know, I first got that email, it's just like, I'm about to rip her a new one because don't, you don't know me like that to be, to be writing me like that. But I had to suck it up, deep spiritual breath, before I could reply. And even in the reply, she didn't like it because I guess she just thought nobody was supposed to dress her with it. And when I ran to the coach later, he's just like, that lady's a piece of work, man. He said, she's just getting on my last nerve. And I was just like, some people, I guess they think you're a volunteer. You're supposed to be a volunteer that kisses their rear. And so I told the lady, and she ended up calling me on the phone. I told her, I said, you know what? I said, I apologize to you if I offended you. That's not my intent. I said, but you're still wrong. <laughs> well, well, I'm pulling my son from the league this year. And I said, well, I hate to see your son pay the price because you won't accept my apology right now even though you didn't do your responsibility. I said, I hate to see you make your son pay for that. Well, I'm pulling my son because I don't like how you, you don't talk to me. I was like, all right then. And see, if I allow, even if I allow the fences to come in then, in my head I was like, I got a waiting list of nine and growing. I can replace your son like that. And I got people on a waiting list of paid in full. Four or five people right off the top paid in full. I can replace you like that. But I was like, you know what? Even though I feel right that way right now, I'm not going to let... Her being offensive to me to let me do what I could do right now and justifiably do. So I was like, deep breath. I'm, I'm riding and stuff like that. Ten minutes later, I get a phone call. Husband calls me up kind of sheepish. Well, you know, uh, I, you know, uh, you know uh, I, I worked a volunteer a couple of leagues. I know, man, it's a, thank, it's a thankless job. So he said, you know, I understand your frustration. And my wife's a little frustrated because my son's been injured. I said, it's cool. I said, I tried to apologize to your wife. I said, she didn't seem to accept. No, no, no. He kind of laughed sheepishly like I could say something, but I don't want to be in the doghouse. But needless to say, my son is playing. The check will be received tonight. So I was like, yeah, don't even worry about it. And I even sent them, here's the thing. I sent the woman another email later that day. And I said, once again, if I've offended you, I apologize. But, you know, all I'm trying to do is make sure the league's budget's handled, blah, blah, blah. I apologize if you offended you. You know, if I see you, everything's forgotten. I hope your son has a great season. No response whatsoever. <laughs> I did what I was supposed to do in God. Amen? So anyway, like I said, next week we're going to start looking at how to handle offenses as they occur. So let's all rise, and uh, we'll close out in prayer. Amen? Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Heavenly Father, in the precious name of Jesus, we praise and thank you, Father, for what you're doing in our lives, Father, through your word. And we just praise and thank you, Father, to have a place in which we can worship you freely and worship you in spirit and truth, Lord. And, Lord, um, just a situation in which um, we're all families um, coming together in Christ, Lord, to celebrate you and who you are. And we just give you the glory and honor, Father, that as we are dealing with various offenses in this series, Lord, um, there are a lot of things that come to mind, different things that occur. Even with the situation this lady this week, I'm sure the enemy was probably sitting there like, let me find a way to knock a chink in his armor or to get through a chink in his armor. So I just praise you, Lord, that you gave me the strength, Father, to calmly 
get the, the things through to the woman that needed to be said without me getting to my flesh and, and going into attack mode. And I just praise you, Lord, that you will enable all of us, Father, to mature in that area, to, to grow, Lord, because the more that we walk free of offenses, Lord, as we've seen, the more we are walking in your likeness and walking free of burdens and able to um, receive all the, the countless blessings and opportunities you have before us. We praise you also, Father, that if there be anybody um, that, that has hurt us, offended us, Lord, we ask you right now to forgive them. And right now we ask you to pour out your salvation, your healing, your peace, um, any blessings that they need into their life upon them right now. We just speak that blessing, Lord. And as we speak that blessing, Lord, even as we talked about the cart and the rope and the baggage today, Lord, the suitcases, Lord, today, that are bitterness and, and, and anger and animosity held on. Right now, Father, we hand those things over to you, Lord, that are in our spiritual baggage. We give them over to you, and we release the handle. And those things that are in our spiritual cart, attached with the rope, right now, Father, we ask you to either take all the bricks and the rocks and the boulders out of our spiritual carts and to load them full of your blessings, or if that cart's not for us anymore, Lord, we ask you to cut the rope free, Lord, that we would be loose to go into the future opportunities you have before us, Lord. We thank and praise you, Lord, as we walk in forgiveness and love, Lord, that you would open up more opportunities for us, Father, more relationships, Lord, um, fruitful relationships, Lord. Pour out your blessings upon us in every area. We praise you right now, Father, you would even touch us in our bodies, that from the top of our head to the soles of the, our feet, Lord, we'll be totally healed and strengthened by, Lord, by your spirit. And we praise and thank you, Father, that if there is anybody out there right now that we've offended, Lord, we ask you right now, Father, to just pour out your blessings upon them, Father. If there's somebody that we are supposed to apologize into in person, Lord, we ask you to give us the words and set up the situation and make it peaceful, Lord. If it's somebody that's long distance, Father, that we need to call or write or email, Lord, we ask you, Father, show us how to connect to us to them and give us the word to speak to them, Lord. If it's somebody that we can't come into contact with, they're on the other side of the country or someone, someone we may never come into contact with them again, Lord, we ask you that by long distance you would just touch their heart, Lord, and let them see, um, Lord, that we've changed in, in the area that we've offended them in and that they would lose peace upon us, Lord, and liberate themselves. And we just praise you, Father, for this, that you would just pour out your blessings upon them. And we just thank and praise you, Lord, that even as we head out now, you continue to bless um, us, bless our families, Lord. Bless those who couldn't be here today, Father, that may be going through various trials and tribulations, Lord. And we just give you the glory and honor and the praise, Father, for these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.